Dear friends, when you were young, did you ever hear about Johnny Appleseed? He lived as a contemporary of Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone, and all three of them were real American men whose legends have grown into mythology. The Disney studio made an animated short film about Johnny Appleseed, one of their earliest ones in color, in 1948. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. That's a table prayer used at many church camps and scout camps and in some homes. It may have been derived from the Disney cartoon. Did you, you know that one? Okay. You ever use it? Girl Scouts. Yeah, I said scout camps. You said Boy Scouts. I got in trouble once for saying Boy Scouts and not Girl Scouts, and so I, and I just say scout camps because um, I was I listen. <laughs> the way I learned about Johnny Appleseed was that he walked across the frontier scattering seed, not unlike the character in our gospel reading this morning, strolling along, throwing seed to the left and to the right. That's myth. The facts are that Johnny Appleseed, his real name was John Chapman, built nurseries of apple seedlings along the trails of settlement into the West. The West back then was Ohio. (laughs) And he went back and forth across his nurseries once or twice a year to see how they were doing. And it was a business enterprise to sell apple trees, saplings, to homesteaders and other settlers who were moving to the frontier and building homes and farms of their own, and they wanted to have apple trees. And those apples that Johnny sold, or the trees he sold, and the apples that the farmers cultivated and harvested, they weren't for eating. They weren't for baking. They were for what, Judy Thumb? Hard cider, alcoholic apple cider, which was a very common beverage in those times. When Christians read this morning's parable, we typically ask ourselves, what kind of ground am I? Am I good soil for God's word to be planted? Or am I rocky soil or thorn-infested soil? One of the hymns in our hymnal is called, Lord, Let My Heart Be Good Soil. Our, our gathering prayer today, our, our opening uh, prayer of the day said, plant in us the seed of your word and let it grow there. But the parable also invites us to think about our role in sowing, sowing the seed. Jesus says today that the seed is a metaphor for the word of the kingdom. And his followers then, and his followers now, were assigned to proclaim the word of the kingdom. So another one of the hymns in our hymnal is about us doing that work. The hymn is called, We Plow the Seeds and Scatter. So the church is an enterprise in which seed is being sown and seed is being received. If you think about 
the seed as being a word of encouragement or a word of hope or a word of guidance or a word of grace or a word of wisdom, then in some sense, each of us here this morning is here to both proclaim the word, to speak the word, and to receive the word, to hear the word. We are the sower who sows the seed, and we are also the ground in which the seed is sown. The church that you and I are a part of right here, right now, is in the middle of a momentous, historic shift. For over a thousand years, the Christian church was a dominant force in Western civilization. The church was organized religion. It was an institution. And that period of history is coming to an end, at least in the West, at least in our nation. And to some extent, as an aside, I believe that if you really want to have the key to understanding the United States culture and politics right now, all of that divisive and negative stuff, to understand that, I think you have to understand the earthquake that is affecting organized Christianity in our society. Last Sunday, a couple, a young couple, visited our congregation in their 20s, I'd say, And when I asked them why they chose to visit our church, they told me that their own church had closed and that they were visiting all kinds of different churches to find a new church home. I would love to hear the rest of their story. Maybe I wish they'd create a blog that I could log on to and hear about how that what they discover is they try out all kinds of different churches without without looking at the labels. What was remarkable for us was that a young couple visited our church. God does bring us a lot of visitors, but rarely a young married couple. And the other thing that was remarkable was why they came. They hadn't moved into the neighborhood looking for a congregation. They had been part of a congregation. It must have been a good one. At least at some point, it must have done something right because they weren't giving up on God. They weren't giving up on Christianity, but their congregation closed. It ended. That used to not happen very often. It happens all the time. Somebody came out of the first service to, and said to me that you know two of the churches that had been a part of her growth into adulthood had closed since she had... Uh, gotten into middle age. Now that doesn't mean that Christianity isn't alive and well. Christianity is flourishing in Africa and in China. Jesus Christ is still the Son of God, the living word from heaven. But it does mean that the Bible now speaks to us, to me and to you, differently. The Holy Spirit speaks to us with a different voice now showing us things from a different angle than before. Jesus says in the gospel today, you who have, let anyone who has ears, listen. For that thousand years when Christianity was dominant, when people went to church because that was what was expected, when all the leaders and pillars of society at least bowed their head and bent the knee, in that thousand years, organized Christianity saw itself as a garden. Today's parable and all of the many, many parables about sowing and harvesting and vineyards and laborers and plucking grain and keeping sheep safe and 
pruning, all of those stories in the New Testament were read in certain ways. I'll give you three examples of that. Pastors, clergy, priests, are trained in schools called seminaries. The original meaning of seminary from the 1400s was a plant nursery. A semen needs seed. A seminary was a horticultural place where seeds were nurtured into seedlings. Just like the places that Johnny Appleseed set up along the roadside into the American frontier. A seminary was originally a greenhouse, a nursery, and the church borrowed that language to describe its places because it felt that pastors and priests were seedlings that were cultivated and prepared, and then when they were ready, they were transplanted into the parish. It was an image, it was a, a world, a very orderly world, a very cultivated growing world. The church cultivated pastors, seedlings in the seminaries, and then transplanted them into the gardens of Christendom. That's one. Example two, when the German mystical theologian Meister Eckhart was condemned as a heretic by the medieval church, the papal bull that excommunicated him was entitled, In the Field of the Lord. In the Field of the Lord. It's how the the papal bulls are named for the first few words. In the Field of the Lord, because the Pope was the gardener, and a weed was growing, and it was his job to get rid of the weeds in the garden. Example three. 200 years later, Germany, same problem, another famous German Theologian, his name was Martin Luther. That's spelled L-U-T-H-E-R. I know you've never heard of him. Also excommunicated as a heretic by the Pope. This time, the papal bull of excommunication read, Arise, O Lord, for a wild bull, a wild boar. A wild boar has invaded your vineyard. The church is a vineyard healthy plants, it's wild boar. So for a thousand years in which the Christian church was stable and organized and was crucial to the ordering of society and had great status and did great deeds and built great buildings, in that thousand years, the church often saw itself as a garden, a vineyard, a place where plants were to be protected, a place to nurture growth, a place that would grow reliably by 5% every year. And someone like Martin Luther appeared to be a javelina. That's what we would call him, someone attacking all of the carefully cultivated vegetation. I know some of y'all live in Oro Valley, and you've told me about the attacks on your vegetation by javelina. But now, today, in this new age of the church, and it is a difficult and agonizing new age and takes a very high personal toll on church leaders, both laity and clergy. In this new age for the church, Jesus speaks to us in a fresh way. We're in a different place. 
we hear him in a different way. And the Holy Spirit opens our ears in new ways. I am inspired, and I think you and the rest of the church can be inspired and uplifted by the sower in today's parable. He doesn't have a garden. He doesn't build a wall. He doesn't put in an irrigation system. He just keeps moving. And a lot of what he does fails. It's a waste. Some of the seed falls on rocky ground. That's dumb, isn't it? Why would you take valuable plant life and throw it onto hard ground where nothing grows? Rocky ground. But our sewer, our sower, he just keeps on throwing. Hungry birds swoop down behind him and they, they snatch up the seed. Just like, remember when Hansel and Gretel left a, tree, a trail of bread crumbs and the The birds just came and ate all that up. You're not cultivating at that point. All you're doing is feeding the birds. But the sower doesn't mind. He just keeps on going. Some of the seed falls into shallow, thorny soil. It's soil that is clueless. I've got a whole sermon on shallow soil. I actually have a whole book on shallow soil. But our sower doesn't mind. He just keeps on sowing. And only every once in a while does the sower really make a lasting difference. Something takes. Something causes a transformation. And then it grows and the payoff is big. The language Jesus uses is a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. But by then... Sower has moved on. Jesus knew that his immediate followers were going to face a lot of failure. Rejection, indifference, opposition. But in this parable, the sower doesn't cry over spilt milk. The sower doesn't get indignant or angry or threaten to quit and go home. The sower just stays faithful to his task. Some people may think he's crazy. Some people may think he's wasteful. But I think that this is an image that should inspire us. That seed is very valuable. It's the word of the kingdom, Jesus says. It's very valuable. But us, in this building, in this church, the the 21 of us here, which is an increase of 50% over last Sunday. I don't don't take attendance, but... 27 today? Well, oh, I'm not counting the leaders, actually, so I count the people in the pews, so... We don't, you don't count, Elizabeth, sorry. I don't count either. Yeah, thank you, though, 27, 27, which is still about a 30% increase or a 40% increase over last week. Okay. Now I got lost. Okay. The seed is very valuable, but we have a lot of it. We can't afford to waste it. It's the seed is the word of God. It's the word of encouragement. It's the word of hope. It's what Jesus calls the word of the kingdom. We can be lavish with that. The outcomes vary. 
The parable says not to worry about the outcomes, to just go on sowing that seed, that word of the kingdom, keep on sowing, keep on throwing, keep on going. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. Keep on sowing, keep on throwing, keep on going. Amen.